Hello and welcome to night number five of 31 Nights of Frights, year three, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night number five marks our second Friday the 13th film and I really don't have too much in the way of pre-episode conversation. So I think we should just jump into it. This is Steve Miner's 1981 sequel, Friday the 13th, Part 2. Taking place five years later, Friday the 13th, Part 2 starts us off with Alice, who survived the first film, so she was the first film's final girl. Well, it looks like she's having trouble with a little bit of PTSD. And again, keep in mind, it's five years later. Things don't go so well when she finds the head of Mrs. Voorhees in her refrigerator, and Jason proceeds to kill her. We are then shown a new set of characters that are going to a neighboring camp. It just so happens to be right near Camp Crystal Lake. And, well, things don't pan out too well for the new counselors. And that's pretty much all you need to know as far as uh, the plot. The actual plot of these Friday the 13th films is not the best when it comes to actual plotting and plot devices. And I think this one here established the we're just here to see Jason kill people type of mentality that these films seem to share. That's not a negative by any stretch. The movie's still fun and entertaining. It's just that the actual plot of the film is so close to the first one that the only real difference here is that you get Jason, who is wearing a sack over his head. This is before he got the hockey mask that we all know and love. This one here is a little bit of a unique situation because it really did give fans of the first movie more of the same. Where A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 gave the viewer an unexpected turn and a side story style sequel, instead we have a direct continuation here. And I think it's probably best that they catered to what worked well in the first film as opposed to going somewhere different, like maybe space. Of course, that's a joke. That's Jason 10 or Jason X, whatever you would like to call it. And of course, that'll be coming much later in the month. What you have here is a more slick version of the original Friday the 13th. This one here is better directed in my opinion, and it also has some better acting. And while you don't go to these movies for the acting or the actual direction, it just seems like it's a better made product overall. And it's something that definitely works in its favor. I think I probably prefer the second one as opposed to the first one. Even though with myself revisiting the first film in the Friday the 13th series, it was better than what I remember it to be. And I actually had fun with it, and it's no different with the second entry here. If there really had to be a super negative to this film, it's the fact that they spend the first six minutes or so recounting the ending of Friday the 13th. And while that's all fine and good, I guess they're trying to hype you up for the new one, or if you forgot, and considering this was only made a year after the first Friday the 13th, I wouldn't see that as too big of an issue. However, they chose to fill it up with a whole bunch of flashback footage. And I really don't care for when movies do that. If you're going to show me flashback footage, 
kind of keep it down to like the first you know couple of minutes or something if you're thinking of a film that did flashback scenes right that would be the evil dead series honestly they did flashback scenes right one of the more interesting things that this movie does is because we know that mrs Voorhees is dead and jason more or less knows that too and well since he's going around being the killer this time somehow he miraculously survived which i'm you know giving the movie that one i'm not thinking too much into it but it's just kind of weird that he has a shrine dedicated to his mother and the head is there but the body is not but instead her clothes are there i don't know maybe the body rotted away but you you have a head that very much looks like a mummy or something and i don't know it's kind of awkward it's it's cool that they included this like this and it is nice to see Betsy Palmer return. It's just a little strange overall that there's nothing left other than the head and her clothes that are there. And then it seems a little bit too convenient as that's one of the ways that they defeat Jason by the end of the film. But then again, it's a movie and we're not thinking too much into it. This is a slasher film. We come here to see Jason terrorize these camp counselors and that's exactly what we get here. If I had to say what the head actually did remind me of outside of a mummy, it kind of reminds me of Norma Bates in Psycho. It kind of looks like that in a way, which is interesting as well. So it seems like they were keeping the inspired by Psycho type of mentality with this, and it's very much welcome. Psycho was incredibly influential. It's just a little bit on the strange side that it kind of influenced Friday the 13th. One of the big things that I had an issue with is that the movie tries to, I guess, subvert expectations. That's one of my new favorite phrases. Thank you, Mr. Ryan Johnson, and your subverting of expectations with The Last Jedi. But anyway, uh, this movie actually goes and kills off Crazy Ralph, and I really like Crazy Ralph from the first movie. For one, with the way he seems to always have a smile on his face, Kind of reminds me of Robin Williams in a way. I know it's strange, but for whatever reason, that's what it reminds me of. I just really like the character and how he's ominous and saying, oh, well, you know, you're, you're going to die. You're going to die. And sure enough, in the second one, he dies. So it kind of sucks. It would have been nice to actually have him as that one consistent character that is not a murderer and would always foreshadow things to happen. Or who knows, maybe it would have been fun to see him as a hero. Could you imagine him taking down Jason? And that's another thing with Jason. Here, he's wearing a bag over his head. He doesn't get that iconic mask till the third movie. This movie makes a very bold decision, and it shows Jason. It shows him a full-on, like, there's no question to what Jason looks like in this movie. And I think... In doing that, it takes a little bit away from Jason himself as far as being mysterious. This is also before he actually got killed or killed permanently and came back as a zombie. So I guess you're supposed to assume Jason is just kind of living off the land or he is maybe just kind of tending to himself outside of when people approach his area, then he gets his killing instincts i don't know but it's kind of strange too because he looks radically different 
from this one to further, I guess, images of Jason without his mask. So it's a little strange that they chose to go with what they did here as far as the long hair and the deformed face because in later movies he has that different appearance so it is a little jarring as far as that goes but if you're watching this movie for extreme continuity or the series in general for extreme continuity then I think you're probably looking in the wrong place. This is a movie where it's simply set up there to bring the characters so that they are going to get killed and we're going to root for Jason. I will say that the scares here, just like the first one, are kind of non-existent. This is kind of in the realm of it's fun to see people killed by our hero or villain, our anti-hero. And well, it's alright. This was a solid follow-up in my opinion. It's not something that I'm going to revisit very often. I haven't seen this one since I was probably very young. They used to play like crazy on like USA and stuff like that when I was growing up. So that's usually how I saw these films. But hey, it's definitely a solid follow-up to the first one because we're getting more of the same, essentially. And I think I'm going to close out night number five. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you don't do the whole social media thing, go ahead and drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you do have a free moment, I would appreciate it if you would give me a five-star rating at the listening platform of your choice because it'll allow me to continue making these reach a wider audience, and also, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.